0: Okay, wonderful. Great to hear the chatter, and uh, please feel free to stay behind for teas and coffees at the end, as we normally do, and uh, really appreciate those who cater for us in that way. So, as part of our Easter build-up, we, uh, obviously today is Palm Sunday, um, and I can't believe that Isaac at the start says, put your palms up, and I think I was the only one who did, so. <laughs> oh, everybody now are good. I... I I've been sitting there the last half an hour thinking I was the only one, but I'm glad I kind of feel a little bit better now that I wasn't the only one. Um, I can't believe I did it, though. I can't believe we did it. <laughs> there we go. So that's talking about the, uh, the triumphal entry, and it's one of those occasions. Um, can you just turn us down a bit, um, Peter? Thanks. That's great. Uh, not off, but just down. That'll be good. <laughs> I have sad sound people that do that before. They've been... Oh, turn him off. There we go. So, the Triumphal Entry is one of those uh, occasions in the Bible that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's obviously something um, that is very important. And Jesus um, approaches Jerusalem on a donkey, on a colt. And uh, some people do like to arrive in style. And I started to think, have I ever uh, arrived anywhere in style? Uh, and I don't think I have. I, I, can't, I can't remember ever arriving anywhere in style. I mean, taking Wendy with me is, is good, but, but, but that's the most stylish that I kind of get. Although I did, I did I did, once do a wedding where, and I think I mentioned it, the bride arrives on an elephant. Oh, no, there you go. No, that's in style, isn't it? Yeah. And I just had kind of thoughts. Wouldn't it be great to have a couple of police cones outside of here on the day of a wedding with an elephant parking outside? Wouldn't that look good? <laughs> no, it wouldn't look good. <laughs> I wouldn't like to clear up afterwards, but moving on very quickly. Uh, but here, Jesus in a sense doesn't arrive in style because he arrives on a donkey. And history would tell us that if you arrived on a horse that'd be that would have been more glamorous because it would be like him celebrating this incredible um victory this this conquering king and some people might have liked the thought of him arriving on a horse as a conquering king but Jesus's battle was not against flesh and blood it was not against the roman empire and he had a far more far greater battle to win on our Behalf, And he comes on a donkey because that's the symbolism of peace. He had this greater victory in mind as he approaches Jerusalem. So all the Gospels record this triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Now, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tend to focus on Jesus' ministry in Galilee, which is quite a distance away. John, in his Gospel, tends to focus on Jesus' ministry in and around Jerusalem. And John just loved to record the standout miracles, and you possibly know that there's seven standout miracles that John actually records. And, um, and he, he does them for a specific reason, because God used him by the Holy Spirit, because all the miracles, all the parables, bring a specific message of who Jesus is. And if you pick up the Bible, and you, you not only look at what Jesus says, but what he does, the miracles, you'll realize he's saying something to us. And that's why the miracles are called signs, because it's a sign of something. And here in John, as he records a particular miracle before the triumphal entry, he's trying to show us and introduce to us what Jesus was doing at this moment in time. Because if you look at John chapter 12, we won't look at John chapter 12, we'll look at 11 in a moment, but in 12, John says this, many people, because they'd heard That Jesus had done and given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. That's why it's good to read the Bible, not just particular uh, events, but to read what is going on around it, because you realize that there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. And John, as he he records the triumphal entry, is making clear that one of the reasons why the people were there, because Jesus performs an incredible, miraculous sign. So we're going to read uh, about it in John chapter 11. You can see how calculated Jesus is around this time. So John 11 verses 1 to 6, and then I'll jump to verse 11 in a moment. So it says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped His feet with their hair. So the sisters sent word to the Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, when he heard this, Jesus says, "This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it." Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. Then just jump into uh, verse 11, if I may. Uh, Jesus said, uh, he goes back and he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, uh, he will get better. Now Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad... I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, if, you've not, if you're new to Christianity and you've not read this part of the Bible, this is just wonderful, isn't it? This is just what happens with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And, and, and Lazarus' name simply means God has helped. And for Lazarus, this was going to be an understatement of God helping him and he'd been in the tomb by the time we get to when Jesus gets to the tomb he'd been in the tomb dead for four days now this miraculous sign Jesus is aware would help in so many different ways so the world would understand something of who he is his disciples will understand something about his coming resurrection and for us today we can be certain that Jesus has power over sin and death. And it confirms it, not just because of his resurrection, but because of him raising somebody else from the dead. Now, I'd like to say that we're all going to, even when we die here on earth, we're all going to be raised from the dead. That probably will not be the case, because this is a miraculous sign that this is what Jesus can do. Now, we do hear occasions when that happens, but this was a miraculous sign that he could actually do this. Now you don't need to be called Lazarus though to be able to say that God has helped because we've just been singing how faithful God is and uh, God has helped us in so many different ways which is why we pray on a Sunday morning for people if they'd like to be prayed for because we do believe that God likes to intervene and help. Now this miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead is actually the longest kind of detailed miracle in the New Testament is the one that's recorded with the most detail. So we can't kind of cover everything in the few moments that we've got left. But there's three things I would like to pick up on. And first is this, that we can um, be confident in God's timing. We can be confident in God's timing. <clears throat> so when Jesus learnt that Lazarus was sick, <clears throat> Jesus said he, said he stayed where he was for two, two more days And then by the time he got to Bethany, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, I don't know about you, we don't like waiting, do we? We can be a little bit impatient. Not as impatient as drivers in Birmingham, I've kind of noticed. (laughs) Because there are some, not you, but some are amazingly impatient. And... um, and possibly we don't like it so much when we feel that God is leaving some things a little bit late. Have you ever felt that? Now, you won't nod because you're good Christians have just been worshipping, but, but, but it's not nice to feel that sometimes. I mean, Martha in verse 21 of chapter 10 says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You'd have changed the situation earlier. Couldn't you have sorted this situation out a little bit quicker? Now, we know how important um, that people knew that, that Lazarus has actually died. It was as if the Lord wanted to, everybody to be certain that this was the case, that he wasn't just the, the, asleep. And in verse 4 it says, This sickness will not end in death, but no, it is for God's glory, so that the Son may be glorified through it i don't believe actually that god always leaves things to the last minute it's just that we kind of feel uncomfortable with the things that god does leave or we feel that he leaves until the last minute um i think i mentioned a a few years ago that uh, that a few years ago that uh, we ran a mission initiative for the whole of the northeast of england um i i you know it wasn't all down to me by any means but the mission initiative over 10 weeks cost £750,000. And this was a good few years ago, so I don't know what it would cost now. If I explain what went on, you'd think, yeah, that's worth worth the money. But um, it sounds a lot of money, doesn't it? Um, But a week after the mission finished, it was still £40,000 short. Now, that's only a small percentage of that amount, but that's a lot of money. Thankfully, I was not the treasurer. I didn't have that responsibility. And it was a week after the mission had finished that somebody sends in a cheque for £40,000, which the treasurer, I was a bit relieved as well, to be fair, because I'd been involved. But one thing, I, when, and I ponder on this, the amazing thing is is that before the mission, God provided 710000 God provides a lot in advance. If you look back, God does a lot in advance. God provides a way in many different ways. He doesn't always leave everything to the ninth hour or eleventh hour, the, the last hour. And God, the Bible says that God knows what we need before we ask. And I'm sure that so many times, you've, this, things within our lives that God has provided, even when we've not asked, very much ahead of time. So God's timing is quite extra ordinary and one of these things this passage brings out is that we can trust God's timing and that might be something for some of us this morning because at different times we need to trust God's timing and maybe you need to pray that and say God I trust your timing with this so we can trust God's timing secondly we can be confident that God cares we can be truly confident that God cares but let's read a little bit more of this particular account so uh, chapter 11 verse 32 to 35 let's read that so when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died and when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping she was deeply moved in spirit and troubled um, and Jesus says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. And then you move on to verse 38. says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I find this intriguing, that even though Jesus knows the outcome of what was going to happen he was still deeply moved now that is that is quite that is quite touching he says when he saw her weeping and the Jews had come along he was deeply moved in spirit and in trouble now this is not the only occasion that we read in the gospels of jesus moved to actual tears because as he comes out of the um, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He approached Jerusalem. And some people are annoyed that all these disciples are crying out in praise. And then Jesus says this most famous of lines, which we all love. He says that, um, well, if they don't cry out, the stones will. Because he was worthy of incredible praise. And, And after that, he says, as he approaches Jerusalem and saw the city... It says, he wept over it and said, if you even knew, I'd only know of the day that would bring you peace. So basically what Jesus is saying is here, is that you've seen all these miracles and many of you still don't respond to God fully. And over the centuries, God has sent these wonderful prophecies to describe God's grace and God's love to you. And and you've Generally speaking, not responded. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who have killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen, gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And at the end of this triumphal procession, here is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem because they have not picked up on this amazing grace that God would pour out upon them. So a little bit later, you know, we read of Jesus going into the temple courts, don't we? And he has this righteous indignation as to how people are being cut off to the temple and people going into the temple. And we should be moved with righteous indignation at times. There's times when we should be moved about things that are going on into the world and the world that should be challenged. There's times when we should be angry about certain things. But we should also have incredible compassion over those who who are lost. Whatever the reason that they are lost, we should have incredible compassion. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And a little bit later, the following week, Jesus, with the joy set before him, endures the cross because he knew the impact that he was making. I remember being involved in, uh, I've I mentioned before that I went to Bible college and I went between the ages of 19 and 21. I was quite young. And in the second year, you have all these mission opportunities. You go out to churches, Methodist churches around the country. Do missions, but sometimes people come to, came to the college because they had good facilities where you had mission initiatives. I remember one particular weekend where a group of 40, 50 young people from a youth group were coming to the college for a youth weekend, and because I was a second year, I was asked to lead a team for that particular mission weekend, just because I was there for the second year. And uh, we had a good weekend, as normal weekend, all the exciting, wild stuff you'd have with young people. On a weekend. You had one or two sessions as well. Now, normally on a youth weekend, it's usually the Saturday night that you go for the big response. Those of you who've been on a youth weekend know it's Saturday night, um, and even the Lord knows it's Saturday night <laughs> that, that you go for, well, you know, or, sorry to be flippant, but we went for the Sunday morning, and uh, we'd had a good weekend, and these young people were there, and they, they'd really excited And we were going to go to response because a number of them weren't Christians. And uh, I was uh, uh, privileged to uh, speak that Sunday morning, and I spoke, and then uh, we went for the response, and about 15 young people came forward to become Christians, which was really exciting. And as I was standing there, hoping that young people would come forward, I looked over, and one of our team forgot her name now, but a young girl of about 18 years old. Just stood there waiting for young people to respond. And tears were pouring down her face. She was just so passionate, desperate, concerned that these young people... Knew the grace of God in their own lives, and this was 40 years ago. I can remember, I can picture her standing at the front with tears pouring down her face, and I knew that's what made the difference. I'd love to convince myself it was my message, but one of our team members. Barney the deputy came up to me and he says that was such a good morning wasn't it I said yeah it's great he says Phil you know it it wouldn't have mattered what you said they would have responded I said cheers (laughs) he says you could have said bananas 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 God's presence was so strong that they would have responded anyway I said cheers Barney that's really grateful I'm really grateful for that I wouldn't recommend it as a method, though. <laughs> Don't follow that method. Though who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. I, I remember a lady in a connect group that Wendy and I used to be in, and there's a lady called Dorothy from Poland. She wasn't from Poland, but she just loved to go to Poland. She has such a passion for Poland. And... Um, she even learnt Polish. There we go. It's an easy language, isn't it, Paulina? No. Polish, easy language. Easy, easy for you. <laughs> but Dorothy, when we was over there, I had two trips with her, and she's in our connect group. Every time, every time, anybody shared even a hint of how they'd become a Christian, she was in floods of tears. Just so excited, just so moved. I remember in one of my youth leaders saying, when I was a young Christian, or telling everybody, whatever you do, never lose that excitement, that passion, that emotion that we should feel when somebody shares their story about how they become a Christian. Because if you lose that excitement, then we've lost something quite big. Now recently we've had Alpha, as you know, and on it Jackie Pullinger was on and she was this great missionary to Hong Kong, meeting with people, ministering to people with incredible drug addictions and how the Holy Spirit transformed their lives. But on the Alpha video she said this, you should have soft hearts and hard feet. The problem with us as Christians sometimes, we have hard hearts and soft feet, because unless we have soft hearts, we're not moved to go and do what God has called us. And in Ezekiel, doesn't he? God said, I'll give you a heart of, you, I'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Put a new spirit within you and move you and move you. And Jackie Pollin is right. We need soft hearts and hard feet because we're going to need both. But we can be confident and trust God's timing. We can trust that He cares. And, very, and finally, there's a lot that we could bring out of this particular passage, but just a couple of things to bring out. God doesn't leave us where we are. God doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't just rescue us and leave us where we are. And we can pick this up from this reading again and Lazarus' experience and just pick up the final bit uh, verse 38 to 43, where it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. The stone was laid across the entranceway. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus, by this time there was a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, um, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go i think i have mentioned before when i've uh, spoken on lazarus at a different time different points that clive calver who used to head up the evangelical alliance and spring harvest and all that uh, when he preaches on it he said um it jesus had to be very specific because this was probably a tomb of lots of dead people so jesus had to say lazarus otherwise they'd have all come out because Jesus has so much authority, everybody would have risen from, raised from the dead and would have flooded out. Now, that would have been an interesting sight, wouldn't it? But he specifically said, Lazarus, come out in a loud voice, it says. And basically, Jesus was saying, he didn't, just write, he didn't just raise him from the dead. He wanted to make sure that Lazarus wasn't going to live in this cave anymore. That this was a new day. He'd been in there four days, and that was too long. And it was time that was raised, and he came out. You're alive again. So the stone is rolled away, He is raised, and he, hears, he walks out. And imagine if Lazarus had said, no, I'm staying here. I like the smell. I can't imagine that. Put the boulder back where you left it. I can't imagine that. But Jesus still told him to come out. So Jesus calls out in this loud voice, leave death behind. Now sometimes within our own lives, it is difficult to put the stench of disappointments behind us. Because sometimes they, they, can stick, they can stick with us. You know, sometimes we, something goes well and we're, we're relieved, but the stench can, be still, can still be there. It's hard for us when other people have been responsible. It can hurt. It can be hard when we blame ourselves because it was self-inflicted. It can be, we can have felt trapped for a significant period of time, so it's just hard to get up and get going. It can be hard to take off the old and put on the new. So Lazarus walked out, it says in verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet were still wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face, and Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now uh, in modern times we often talk, don't we, or people talk about the bucket list of things that uh, we want to do before we kick the bucket, before we we kind of die. And I'm sure that this stuff on your bucket list. Now Lazarus was going to die again. He would have had a physical death. He will have still be going to heaven. But even on this earth, Jesus has a bucket list for him. Jesus has a purpose for him. And Jesus says, take off what's wrapped around his hands, around his feet, and around his face. And it's as if Jesus is saying, I've got things for you to do, Lazarus. I've got places for you to go. I've got things for you to see, to hear, and to say. There's still a life to be lived here on earth. Now, the devil would love us to stay in the cave and not live life to the full. A friend of mine, Philip Gennardo, a great preacher from Bristol. There's quite a link in Bristol here, isn't there? A few people kind of from Bristol. But he says this, and I love it. He says, the devil will take you for a ride, but God will take you on a journey. God has a great purpose for you. I mean, I mean God is, you know, He likes the, the short stuff and the excitement, but He wants to bring those things that are significant. He doesn't take us for a ride, but He takes us on a journey. And they say, Lazarus, come out. There's still a journey to go on here places to go things to see there's a great purpose for you now fortunately he told the people to take these grave clothes off Lazarus because he knew that he was surrounded by good people people who would take the grave clothes off him not people who would keep him in the grave and somebody once says negativity negative people always find company it's very good to be around people who help us to walk free in all that god has for us and I accept that it is a process but the gospel has this incredible promise and we pick it up from Isaiah 61 I'll finish with this God promises a crown of beauty instead of ashes he wants us to swap that the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor it's the biggest tree it bears the most fruit it reproduces itself god has a great bucket list for us he has a great plan for us and a great purpose so there's some thoughts there's many other thoughts that we can get from this incredible um, passage but we can trust god's timing we can trust that god's care we can trust god's leading from here I'm going to invite the band up. We will uh, pray together before our final song. But uh, as the band come up, why don't we just close our eyes and reflect for uh, a moment? Lazarus, God helps. That was an understatement, and for us it's something different that we might need, but God can do more than we can ask or imagine according to His power within us, within us. As we pray, I'm going to invite us uh, all to stand. we for a while if you're able and join me in standing. And just as we close our eyes, just focus for a moment before I pray. It might not be any of these specific things, but it might be this morning. That God is just saying encourage, you know, to encourage you to trust his timing. And within your heart, within the prayer, your response, say, God, I am going to trust you with timing here. You might be something that's going on and you just question a little bit that God is aware. That he's mindful of you and, and he is mindful of you. He really is mindful of you. And a reassurance for you today say, "God, I know you care about this. I know that you care about a particular situation and for others, it may be a case this morning that you 've been through something very difficult, and it is hard to put it behind and slowly just walk away or walk forward to take the gray clothes off that the stench is still there and you, you, your prayer to say, God I know that it happened but I I just want the stench to go my prayer is that the stench will go and I'll walk forward freely Lord this morning we we thank you for your word, we thank you for worship we thank you for each other and we just want to take hold of our response to you and to take hold of what you have for us And Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust you with timing this morning. Help us to trust you with that. Lord, you know the end from the beginning. And with Lazarus, you just knew the timing. And Lord, we trust that you know the timing for us. Lord, we thank you that you're mindful of us. Thank you that you're aware of us. And Lord, I pray for those that are just saying, Lord, I just want to know that you're with me here. I pray, Lord, even today, over this next week, there'll be signs, uh, understanding that you're there, that they belong to you, that you are with us. We pray, Lord, for your grace, just to demonstrate at times that is sufficient for us. And, Lord, for those that are saying, Lord, just help me move forward from something in the past. Just help me move forward. Lord, we pray that you bring a new fragrance to life, Lord for those who need that. That ability just to move forward those steps that helps us walk in the level of freedom that you want us to walk. Thank you that you have so much for us. Thank you that you bring a peace, Lord, and you restore us, and you set us free. And we pray by your spirit, Lord, help us to receive that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.